Hi, everyone. This is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number three. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end, has two websites the archive website llresearch.org and the community website bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for The Raw Contact, and president of LL Research, along with Austin Bridges and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. To do so, you may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary Bean, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Rather than checking in with you guys, I will read our first question, which asks everybody how they're doing. And this question comes from, from Folklove. Folklove. <clears throat> Sent in via Bringforth. And Folklove asks simply, how are you guys? Yeah, I remember that name. Well, I assume Folklove is asking how we're doing in uh, relation to Carla's recent passing, which now is nearly eight weeks ago. And I imagine each of us is doing a little differently. I've discovered over those eight weeks, through the reading I've done and conversations I've had with friends and emails that people go through grieving in different ways. There isn't any real one way to do it. And sometimes it takes longer. And for me, I think it's going to take a while. So in general, I think I'm getting a little bit better, but there are some struggles and it's sort of like it's just part of your DNA. I mean, after 34 years together, you really become uh, a part of the other person, the other person, a part of you. And when that person passes away, it's like half of you is gone. So you have to figure out what do you put there where that other half used to be. And what I've been doing mostly is just kind of letting things happen, letting the natural energies that have been in motion for all of my life continue in motion. They've done fairly well up to now. And uh, this program, for example, Gary asked, well, do you want to continue on with uh, In the Now? I said, well, yeah, of course. You know, that was one of Carla's real joys. And um, Winfrey asked me if I wanted to finish up um, the last three chapters of uh, Living the Law of One 101, The Choice. He and Carla and their study group had gotten through the first uh, nine, and I said, yeah, sure. And that gave me the real blessing of opportunity to read her book, and I'm still puzzled in my mind as to why I had never read it before. There were a couple of areas that I was familiar with she must have asked me about, but for the most part, that's been a new discovery, and it's been a blessing because it's like... Uh, having a chance to listen to Carlin to appreciate once again how her mind worked and how she could put things down on paper that just made so much sense. So that's been wonderful. And uh, in the fall, we're hoping to continue 
with our regular pattern of starting up our Sunday meditations again uh, right after uh, homecoming. And we'll probably go with our regular uh, alternation of channeling and silent, probably the first and third being channeling and the second and fourth being silent. So uh, right now, you know, and of course I've got a, a little garden outside about three quarters of an acre worth to work in. So uh, just keeping on with what's happening here is got a good opportunity for providing me with uh, answers as to what do I put in that half that's gone. So uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, a struggle, but I do feel like I'm getting better. And I'm, I'm absolutely certain that tears, tears heal. So, uh, Gary, how are you doing? <clears throat> um, my experience as it pertains to Carla's passing is unique and is my own, but um, I just want to say up front that it's a fraction of what uh, Jim has experienced. Um, losing one's spouse is very different than uh, losing a mentor and a friend. Um, in my own experience, as I've uh, wrote in my reflection about Carla, Carla uh, took me under her wing. And even prior to that, her, her philosophy and her life's work, which Jim was an integral part of, um, transformed my life, transformed my identity and my perspective and my objectives and uh, set me on a course that I've been walking ever since. And that alone would be gift enough for a lifetime or 10 lifetimes. But in addition to that, uh, Carla took me under her wing and she gave me the opportunity uh, to grow into adulthood and to serve through LL Research. And um, and I've led, as I look back upon the adult life that I've led, it's been extraordinary. I have had the opportunity to meet the most beautiful and self-aware and open-hearted people, um, including those two on the show with me. And I have Carla more than any other person to thank for that. She wasn't uh, an active mentor so much in counseling or or telling me which decisions to make, but she just uh, gave me the environment and she uh, represented an example that I think is really unique in this world. As Austin and I were talking the other day, she was a way shower, a trailblazer. Um, she and Don and then uh, later joined by Jim carved something completely unique on this planet that did not exist before that. And it's her path that I follow in my own way, of course. Um, the truth is within. Uh, so how am I doing? Um, my emotions were very difficult the week of Carla's passing. And uh, when it became evident that Carla was releasing her will to live, uh, I was somewhat of an emotional basket case and had trouble keeping myself together. But um after that week, week and a half, the emotions subsided. And then when we had the uh, funeral service um, a couple of weeks after her passing, uh, close ones and loved ones and people that we had never met before came. And it felt uh, there was a surprising amount of joy in the air. There was an undertone of sorrow, but um, people celebrated Carla's life. And I think that was the high watermark for me. And and since I've been stable um, and at peace, it is nuts sometimes to 
imagine life without Carla. Um, she is, she permeates every single thing we do. Um, the, every day, the work that Austin and I are doing in the office, we're still working with her work or hearing her, literally hearing her voice as we um, tweak audio. And that she's not here, some part of the brain still rejects that, and it's it's hard to get that to compute. Um, and then Jim Austin and I have, um, I, I think, uh, I mean, we had all had a relationship prior to Carla's passing, but since her passing, it's changed the equilibrium, it's changed the equation, and we've been forming a new relationship and a new balance and um, have have been in great harmony Um since her passing, and well, it was a big variable knowing. <laughs> Sorry that I'm going on. I did not expect that I had this much to say. Uh, we didn't know what life would be after her passing. A lot of that hinged on Jim's own feelings and needs and wants. And uh, Austin and I turned to Jim, and not in one moment really, but over the span of time, and um, said, "What do you want to do?" <laughs> And uh, he wanted to keep the dream alive that uh, motivated Carla's life. And that was uh, dreaming the impossible dream that happens through LL Research, but not only through LL Research, but through our own unique walks in life. And uh, so we've been about the business of keeping LL Research alive and well and running. And um, we have no shortage of work to do. Um, It is always surprising how much there is to do and like Jim mentioned in his own uh, reflection that he wrote for the Gatherings newsletter it's thanks to Carla being so prolific that we have so much work to do she was an open river of inspiration she couldn't damn herself up if or close that spigot if she wanted to Um, if she had lived to be 500 years old she would be writing books or channeling or speaking at 499 years old. Uh, it was just woven into her DNA. So um, we uh, continue the work and uh, reflect and ask ourselves where we're headed, what we're doing. And uh, thus far, underneath uh, the sorrow, which has largely been um, Jim's lately as he's gone through a very intensive grieving process, but has kept his back and his back straight and his head high, we um, are trying to chart our course um, into the future. Sorry for that long-winded answer, uh, Austin. That's my part. Uh, it's kind of hard to follow up on either Jim or Gary. They both pointed out that we all had unique relationships with Carla. And as Gary said about Jim, his was a fraction of Jim's. Mine is, again, just a fraction of Gary's, as I've only known Carla personally for two years. But she did play a significant role in my life uh, in a lot of ways. Obviously, she offered gifts that have changed the lives of probably... We don't even know how many people have really been touched by the work that uh, her and Jim and Don have done, and then her alone with her authoring and... Uh, everything she's done, it's really hard to calculate the the benefit she's been for everybody and the role that she's played in uh, so many Seekers' lives, including my own. But I did get the honor of forming a unique relationship with her in person that um, was a... It was just a constant surprise to me how unhindered her ability to love really was. 
and how inspiring that really is. And just being in her presence for the short amount of time that I got to be in her presence, it was transformative at every uh, moment I got to see her shine. And it's um, there's a distinct feeling of loss uh, without her here. And that's sort of the third density thing, I think, uh, is this feeling of loss. But it is uh, definitely there. And there is a gap, and as Gary said, there's an equilibrium that has to find itself. And I think that all of us, all three of us, have sort of felt a refocusing of our efforts towards LL research in honor of Carla. And as our thoughts turn to the gifts that she's given us, I think that um, only now can we really truly realize how much she has given us. And how great her influence really was and how much of a, a pinnacle of a love and light that she was. And uh, that's where I find myself uh, most times recently thinking about Carla is remembering all the gifts and how amazing um, she, her contribution into my life and so many other lives has really been. And it was truly a remarkable thing. I think that she is now Looking back on her life, I can't imagine she'd be anything but extremely proud of the work that she's done here. And we do miss her a lot, but uh, her life was truly amazing and touched a lot of people. Thank you so much, Austin and Jim. Jim, did you have anything more to add before we moved on to the next question? No, I think we're ready to go on. All right. Folk Lab, thanks for asking and, and for your caring concern. Yeah, thank you. Our next question was sent in via email by Mary. <clears throat> Mary asks about a crystallized being. She says, what does it mean to be a crystallized being? Below are three quotes, two from Ra and one from Carla, that use that concept. Thanks. And thanks again for all you men are doing for the law of one. So the first two quotes that come from Ra are, Ra says, the principle of crystal healing is based upon an understanding of the hierarchical nature of the structure of the illusion, which is the physical body, as you would call it. There are crystals which work upon the energies coming into the spiritual body. There are crystals which work upon the distortions from spirit to mind. There are crystals which balance the distortions between the mind and the body. All of these crystal healings are charged through purified channels. Without the relative crystallization of the healer working with the crystal, the crystal will not be properly charged. Uh, skipping to the next one <clears throat> uh, so the questioner says does the size, physical size of the crystal have any relationship to the effectiveness in the healing uh, Ra answers in some applications concerning planetary healing this is a consideration in working with an individual mind-body-spirit complex the only requirement is that the crystal be in harmony with the crystallized being there is perhaps a lower limit to the size of what you may call a faceted crystal, for light coming through this crystal needs to be spread the complete width of the spectrum of the one to be healed. It may be further noted that water is a type of crystal which is efficacious also, although not as easy to hang from a chain in your density. And then the third quote um, comes from Carla, and I think Carla is speaking about a, a different sort of crystallization. Uh, Carla writes, when I was crystallized and I couldn't sit up or stand up, the road back for me was cooking because once you start a white sauce, you don't stop it. You've got to continue stirring until that thing melds or you've just wasted all your time. And so I would hold on to the stove and keep standing until it was done. And I greatly made my stamina better when I did that and eventually got back to cooking full time 
and functioning in the real world, the real physical world, I should say. I'm going to stop reading that quote there. Um, before we get started, I just want to point out Mary is an all-star volunteer transcribing oh. many of our past episodes of In the Now to be read soon on our archive website. Thank you so much, Mary, for all the hard work you're doing. Yeah, I didn't realize that was that, Mary. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you, Mary. So, um, go ahead, Gary. I don't, no, I'm gladly yield to you. Well, I was going to speak to the idea of a crystallized being. I guess I'll get the first one out of the way with Carla. The, the crystallized situation she was talking about is an arthritic situation. The uh, synovial tissue between the joints gets hardened or crystallized for a person with rheumatoid arthritis, and it makes the joints stiff and sore. So she was talking about going through a physical therapy program it was down at uh, Fraser Rehab where she went through it and learned to cook and got back up after being down in the ni- early 90s, 91, 92. So that is what she was talking about. As far as the crystallized being goes, I believe that uh, what Ross talking about is an entity who would be working with crystals to help heal either another person or, in the first question there, the, the planet itself to help with the balance of the planet. And in order to do that, I believe you would have to have a balanced entity with the energy centers functioning in balance, but also we'd have to have the heart center fairly wide open because that's where the healing energies tend to come from when the crystallized being or the healer makes contact with either intelligent energy or intelligent infinity. Then he channels it through the heart center, which does the, you know, helps the actual healing according to the one-to-be-healed's desires and so forth. So that's my take on that. I'm not sure if all of the energy centers, I don't think it, all of the energy centers have to be open so he's fully activated. I think there has to be a balance. Austin, how about you? Um, that clarification with Carla's quote is very important because that would be a very confusing quote without <laughs> knowing what she was talking about. Um, luckily, Ra actually responded to this question directly. That's kind of cheating, because uh, there's so much more to say, but I will read Ra's direct answer. Don asks, can you define what you mean by a crystallized entity? And Ra said, we have used this particular term because it has a fairly precise meaning in your language. When a crystal- crystalline structure is formed of your physical material, the elements present in each molecule are bonded in a regularized fashion with the elements in each other molecule. Thus, the structure is regular and, when fully and perfectly crystallized, has certain properties. It will not splinter or break. It is very strong without effort, and it is radiant, traducing light into a beautiful refraction, giving pleasure of the eye to many. And at other points, Ra refers to crystallized beings with the other word regularized, and I think that is a key meaning um, on top of what Jim was saying. I agree complete with Jim, uh, but regularized as being a key uh, concept in understanding crystallized entities. Ra, uh, to me, the idea of crystallization and discipline are highly connected, and discipline uh, tends to carry a sort of negative charge in a lot of cases. It can mean some sort of control or enforced compliance, but Ra uses that term a lot, and they don't uh, want it to carry that kind of baggage. Discipline, when Ra uses it, in my understanding, is sort of a regular practice, or at least the result of a regular practice. 
uh, our minds and our bodies can be gently guided into practice rather than controlled or forced into practice. And once we become regular at this uh, gentle guidance, it becomes easier and we become more conscious of our ability to uh, do so. And uh, once we're able to guide our minds and bodies without distraction from outer sources and without having to control them, I think that is essentially what crystallization is, is being able to consciously uh, guide our minds and our bodies without um, effect from outer sources. Uh, Ra, in that previous answer, said it does not splinter or break. So any sort of outer force coming into the crystallized being does not change the way that it reacts. It doesn't change the way that that being would move forward in a situation. In Ra's examples, it would always be moving forward with love, no matter the situation. No situation could uh, break that entity from being able to move forward with love. And Radiant obviously allowing the love to flow through that being. And I think essentially that is uh, when Ra uses crystallized being or any of the confederation sources use the term crystallized referring to people. I think that's essentially what they're talking about is a regularized um, practice and a regularized, regularized uh, conscious action in how they um, move through our illusion. Listening to you both, but especially you, Austin, I was working on a metaphor, and this is very crude, but to help try to illustrate this regularity and this structure, if you can kind of imagine what, I don't know how well this works, but what like a city might do to manage water when rains come. There may be uh, culverts or drains or ditches or irrigation channels from a nearby source of water um, or what are those things on the roof called? Uh, Gutter! (laughs) Um, That um, channel and funnel and process and direct all that rain so that even in the event of a downpour, or maybe even in the event of uh, rain delivered by a tornado, all that water gets processed in a regular fashion in a way that makes it useful um, with more or less efficiency. That kind of helps shed some light on how I perceive a crystalline energy center in that when the energy of the creator begins moving up through the chakras, if those chakras have been regularized through, as Austin said, uh, discipline, then that chakra processes that love light energy in a regular fashion, sending it on to the next chakra um, and uh, doing so in a way that is beautiful and in a way that meets the definition as Ra described it, um, will not splinter or break. And it um, indicates that the self will respond to catalyst, no matter what the catalyst is, no matter how intense or how tough or how severe, there will be a regularity to it due to that discipline. That discipline had has happened over such a long-term period of time or has formed certain concrete habits, that is, that discipline has crystallized, that it autom- it's, you can might see it as an automatic program that kicks in when the self is faced with catalysts uh, without effort. And therefore, without needing to um, 
kind without needing to devote a large portion of consciousness to processing that catalyst the discipline patterns are already managing it and already funneling it up into the higher chakras and uh, Ra uses the word regularity, and there's another adjective that I would apply, and that's stability. There's a stability in, and in the way the catalyst is processed by the crystallized being. And only a couple more nuances to add to this question. Um, in doing a keyword search, Ra says that um, each of the energy centers have a, they say, quote, distinctive crystalline structure in the more developed entity. And they go on to describe what those structures look like. And they say uh, the red energy center often is in the shape of the spoked wheel, the orange center in the flower shape containing three petals, and so on. Uh, this is in 51.8 if you're interested in reading more. Uh, they also say about the crystallization of the indigo ray that, quote, as the consciousness of the indigo ray becomes more crystalline, more work may be done, more ba may be expressed from intelligent infinity. And again, this speaks to the structure, a regularized, beautiful, strong, stable structure being in place that allows the intelligent energy to move through in a useful and a helpful and a uh, beautiful way. Any further thoughts from you guys on nope. this question? Um, your analogy of the drainage systems made me think of an anecdote. I knew somebody once who hated the idea of referring to chakras as having blockages, which a blockage I, I'm guessing would be like the opposite of crystallized chakra, because she hated being compared to a sewage drain. <laughs> But it's essentially, I think it's a, an apt analogy. It is uh, very similar in that if something can flow through easily, that is the regularized, crystallized uh, fashion. And there was one more quote from Ra that I wanted to read that just, it doesn't necessarily speak directly to um, crystallization, but I think that it refers sort of to what it is. And it's in reference to healing. And Ra says, the purpose of carefully and consciously opening this channel is to serve in a more dependable way, in a more commonplace or usual way, as seen by the distortion complex of the healer. To others, there may appear to be miracles. To the one who has carefully opened the door to intelligent infinity, this is ordinary. This is commonplace. This is as it should be. The life experience becomes somewhat transformed, and the great work goes on. And that's uh, the idea of being crystallized and being able to consciously open this channel, in this case to intelligent infinity. And Ross says, to others there may appear to be miracles, but to the crystallized entity, this is not something that is uh, necessarily grand or will uh, really uh, transform you in a massive way. Not that that would be a bad thing, uh, because we can't obviously be crystallized in every single situation. But to a crystallized entity in that situation, it's just commonplace when something like a miracle happens that comes through the crystallized entity. And uh, this is just one of my favorite quotes, so I wanted to add that in there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so our next question was submitted anonymously, <laughs> and it pertains to... Um, some statements Ra made. So, Anonymous says that 
Ra says, quote, there is no other material except light. So is Ra saying that light is matter? Ra also says we are not part of a material universe, but they then later on say that we are love slash light, light slash love. So since they say light is material, I'm wondering if love slash light, light slash love, is something different than light. Or are we material slash light, even though they say we're not part of a material light universe? <laughs> well, um, I don't believe that Ra is saying light is material, but that light is everything in the universe. So if light is not material, perhaps nothing is material. Physicists today tell us that very little of the atom is made up of anything that we could call matter. If you looked at the orbit of the electrons around the nucleus, it's, uh, most of that is space. In fact, last week I read in the newspaper, somebody made a report, that if you condense the Earth, planet Earth, into matter, it would be about the size of a basketball. Hmm. So um, I don't think Ra's equating the two, but... As far as what we are, um, we're the same thing that everything else is. We're, uh, I think the love, light, and light, love sometimes confuses people. But what uh, Ra's talking about there is when love is the predominant quality in the two, then it's stated first. When light is the predominant quality, it's stated first. And they both are reflections of the creator, uh, intelligent energy and intelligent infinity. So we just have the creator everywhere, and most of what the creator is to our highest perception is light or love or the two. (laughs) Uh, That's it for me. I have a take similar to Jim's, but I'll read um, for some greater context. I'll read the two quotes which have prompted Anonymous to ask the question. Um, In the very first... Q&A, I guess it wasn't a Q&A, but very first uh, moment of the Ra contact, uh, Ra has this uh, sermonette, um, and they say, you are not part of a material universe, you are part of a thought, you are dancing in a ballroom in which there is no material, you are dancing thoughts. That's 1.0. And then in 64.6, uh, Ra says, Uh, they are trying to describe how difficult it is to describe sixth density, and they say of their experience, we seek the creator upon a level of shared experience to which you are not privy, and rather than surrounding ourselves in light, we have become light. Our understanding is that there is no other material except light. So I think some of the confusion derives from the double use of the word material. In the first case, uh, in session one, Ra is saying you're not part of a material universe, then uh, 64.6, they're saying there is no other material except light. Um, I think, and I move in the direction that um, Jim was heading, that uh, presently, at least, uh, general the paradigm of general consensus reality right now uh, is that there is only a physical, observable universe that is real. At least the lay scientific materialistic uh, perspective. Scientists at the frontiers may 
or the more advanced senior scientists may think otherwise. <clears throat> so what I think Ra is saying is that we are not part of that material universe as it's presently conceived. We are not physical beings in a physical universe bound by physical laws. Uh, certainly that's a seeming aspect of our identity and experience, but a very shallow aspect at that. I think what they're trying to say is that in actuality we are infinite beings. And the real material is light itself. But we don't perceive that material as light. Uh, we perceive a tree or a wall or a train. And this is uh, light distorted, but it's not, um, I guess what you would say, light in its pure form. Uh, also, I think it's helpful to note, too, that when they say light, they don't just mean that visible portion of the electromagnetic spectrum that is our eyes can see. Um, and they may not even mean the entire electromagnetic spectrum, which includes the UV rays and the gamma rays and the microwave rays. But I think uh, they mean light on an even deeper level. Uh, the light... I don't know if you would call it a photon at that point, um, but the light, which is the substance or the body of everything in the manifest universe in any density or any plane of existence, anything that is comes out of intelligent infinity, made by intelligent energy, which is another way to say love or the logos, then is light. Austin, you want to take a crack at it? Yeah. I don't disagree with either Jim or Gary, but my perspective is slightly different, and there may be some uh, incongruencies in some of the nuances between our answers, but I think it's important to point out, as uh, Gary read the whole question, that Ra prefaced their um, answer when they said that there's no other material except for light. Uh, they were saying to speak of that which six-density social memory complexes labor within an order to advance is at best misprision of plane communication for much is lost in the transmission of concept from density to density and the discussion of six density is inevitably distorted greatly and then they also say that we are not privy to their level of experience so i think it's important to realize that we are really discussing outside of our uh, comprehension here but um, don did ask Ra. At one point, if, and this is in session 27, question 16, asked Ra if love creates the photon and that the basic particle of light is the photon, and then the photon is then further altered to form matter of our material illusion by adding vibrations and rotations. And then Ra basically said that Don's presumption was correct. And so, in this sense, we are living within a material illusion that Ra understands as light. Uh, the only thing to the material within the illusion is light itself, because the matter, the hard matter that we experience is, according to Ra, the photon just sort of altered slightly, and the photon being the most basic particle of light. Uh, but it is still an illusion in that sense, and uh, that light is being formed by something that is more primal 
which is the love, which uh, Don said is what basically forms the photon. So I think that the light referred to in this quote is the same light love referred to elsewhere, as Anonymous asked. Uh, and at the moment, we are indeed in a material universe. It's kind of hard to deny that. And I think what Ra is acknowledging is that they are also within a material universe, but they have a more nuanced understanding of that material universe. They see it as much more uh, primal and closer to its actual uh, being. It's still a distortion that they understand all material is light, because there's something more primal than that light. The second distortion is love, and the third distortion is light. And so they understand all material is light, but they're acknowledging that they are still within that illusion, and there is something still more primal to that illusion. The illusion being material, and what is more primal is not material. It is the love which forms the supposed uh, material which is formed of light. If that makes any sense. That's the best that I can do with it. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, it made sense to me. I was uh, following along quite well. Cool. And any incongruencies with their own answers we'll just edit out later. <laughs> I joke. I think that's a good place to wrap it up, unless either of you have any further thoughts on that question. Not on that question, nope. nope. All right. Jim, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners? Yes, uh, we would like to uh, thank all the listeners for listening, and for those who sent in questions, we especially thank you. Those questions are what we live on on the program. And we send you all of our love and light, and hope that you all have a great week. Until we see you next week. You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question for for us before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk with you then. 